You are listening to the Parkview Church Podcast. To learn more about Parkview Church, including our gathering times in Palm Coast, Florida, visit us online at parkviewlife.com. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter number 6. Your Bible or smart device or the words will be on the jumbotron here shortly when we get to it. But Matthew chapter 6 and... Uh, Exciting days for our church. Uh, Mel, I pulled in uh, this week just seeing all the scaffolding down out front. You kind of get a full view of the new worship center and uh, uh, just wait for a couple weeks when we get to go in and tour that. Excited about that. And by the way, so that's kind of, I don't, I should have asked like what color that is, but like the new facility is like, I would call it like a cream color or something. I don't know. But anyway, everything's going to be that color when it's all done. And so it's really going to be a lot of progression, a lot of things happening over the weeks and the next couple months ahead. And before we know it, we will be in there uh, worshiping the Lord uh, together. Well, if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter number 6, verses 9 through 13. And uh, I guess for the, uh, well, if nothing else, just for familiarity purposes and tradition purposes, I'm going to read our text out of the King James Version of the Bible tonight. And uh, we're preaching through the Lord's Prayer, which says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we saw last week as we launched into this uh, new series, which by the way, I recall, I believe in every service I asked if you could like commit to all six weeks of this series. That way, I feel like when we get to the end of it, we will have all journeyed together through the Lord's Prayer through its entirety. So how many of you have made it the first two weeks so far? You're good. All right, so good. All right, so you got four more weeks to go, and uh, we'll continue to enjoy this study in the Lord's Prayer. But um, the, the Lord's Prayer is really divided into uh, two uh, subgroups. The first three petitions, and then the latter three petitions. The first three petitions are connected to God, and then the latter three petitions are connected to us. Last week, we started with petition number one, um, to God, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed meaning to, uh, to set apart, uh, that which is sanctified, set apart, uh, worthy of worship. We exalt him, we magnify him, we, we hallow him. I said last week that I personally believe that 99% of the majesty and glory of God is beneath the surface of revelation. Perhaps only 1% of the majesty and glory of God has even been revealed to us, and yet that 1% ascends way up into the heavens and is beyond our imagination or grasp. And yet it is that 1% that we get to, uh, uh, to just worship and magnify and hallow And uh, our prayer uh, doesn't start with our worries. Our prayer starts with his worship. And just like prayer starts with worship, so our life should start with worship. Everything in our life should flow out of our worship, and everything in our prayer should flow out of our worship. And when we spend more time worshiping him, 
Um, when we get to our needs, our wants, our hurts, our pains, our troubles, our trials, our difficulties, our temptations, when we get to that part, if we'll spend the majority of the time in the front half with him, when we get to that part, <laughs> well, uh, we'll have a whole lot more confidence in the one who we're praying to. And so it's important to begin our prayer uh, with worship. And uh, we looked at that last week. And then uh, this week, we're looking at the second phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we think about the, the kingdom of God, what are we talking about? So I have a couple of photos, because maybe you're wondering like, okay, so what is the kingdom? Like, okay, there's the Temple Mount, that's Jerusalem, um, Israel. I think uh, we were there uh, with a group from the church about six months ago. Um, right there, outside the, the holy city, right outside of Jerusalem. So when you're talking about the kingdom, and it's interesting, right, because obviously Israel is in the forefront of all of our minds right now. And we continue to pray for the peace of Israel, and we pray for the peace of, of God's people. And so when we think about uh, the kingdom of God, are we talking about his people? Are we talking about his land? Are we talking about Israel? Are we talking about Jerusalem? Are we talking specifically about the, the Temple Mount? Or when we talk about the kingdom of God, and when this is referenced here in the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, is it like we could roll out a map and, and look at the, you know, somewhere on the map and discover the kingdom? Which to me is mind-boggling uh, as we consider current world events that uh, Israel is really just this dot on the map outnumbered by in the thousands by land size thousands upon thousands greater in in, in uh, magnanimity um, is the Arab world around um, Israel uh, Israel is about the size um, of the land of New Jersey with a similar population and yet so much attention is going right there right now for obvious reasons so when we're praying about the kingdom of god are we praying about that location are we praying about that geography and here's what i submit to you when we think about the kingdom of god we're not talking say not we're not talking about physical boundaries on a map that would identify a land but rather what we're talking about is the authority that the king has so the kingdom is not about the authorized land of the king it's about the authorized rule of the king so when you pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven you're not praying for a geographic location you're praying for the rule of god to be done in your life how many of us in here would say that right now in our life we want something from God. In other words, we're asking something. Somebody say, I may say, I, I, there's something I'm asking God very specifically about. I, I want something from Him. I'm asking. And, and it, it might be financial. It might be relational. It might be educational. It might be occupational. It might be physical health. It might be mental health. It might be marriage. It might be parenting. But right now you'd say, I am asking God for something. Okay, so whatever it is that we want, when we pray for the kingdom of God to come and the will of God to be done, we are white flagging our wants to His will. 
We are white flagging our wants to His will. It does not mean that we don't have wants. Friend, I have wants. I am praying for specific things. I have prayer requests and I have prayer burdens. I have said to people today, will you join me in praying for this? I think many of us would fall in that category where we right now, today, want something from God. But ultimately, as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're white flagging our wants to his will. And we're saying, God, this is what we desire, but we want to walk in lockstep with what your will is. We surrender our request to your authority. We surrender our requests, our desires, our needs under heaven's rule. And we bring that to you. And so the phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is about submitting to his plan and living out that plan. Because after all, he says in this prayer, Jesus is teaching us to pray. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the question then is, is the will of God accomplished in heaven today? Absolutely. With sheer perfection absolute perfection so we are praying to submit to that degree and we want to see the submission to the will of god and the completion of will of the will of god down here like it is being done up there from the beginning in the book of genesis god made it very clear that he had a plan to establish his kingdom on this earth That was the plan of God, to establish his kingdom on this earth. Adam and Eve, and subsequently all of mankind, would then be representatives of God's reign on this earth. Now, tragically, when the first man and woman listened to the words of Satan, Satan became the usurper, and he established the reign of sin on the earth. But God, however, was not surprised. God wasn't called off guard by what happened in the garden. In fact, he already had a plan to not abandon his original plan. In fact, the remainder of Scripture is the history of God's work of restoring that which had been corrupted by sin. It's the story of the gospel. It's the, it's the story of redemption that God wanted us to rule and reign with him on this earth as representatives down here for him and then satan steps in but now god is redeeming that and his plan is to basically you do understand that heaven is really the garden of eden again and we will return to that rule and reign so specifically when we talk about thy kingdom come thy will be done the kingdom is the rule and reign of god in the hearts and lives of his people That's what the kingdom of God is. It's the rule and the reign of God in the hearts and lives of his people. Now, once again, I probably every weekend or regularly at least try to address those of you that have yet to step across the line of faith. Church, our size and with the number of people that visit, I know that every weekend there are people here that are, you know, checking out Christianity, considering Christ, those sort of things. And I just want you to know, if you are considering becoming a christian and put whatever kind of 
you know, wording around that that you want, but you're considering going all in and following Jesus Christ. I want you to understand this. The only way to become a Christian is to submit to the authority of God in your life. You cannot become a follower of Jesus without submitting to the authority of God in your life. God will not be your cruise ship director. God will not be your cosmic tooth fairy. But he will be your king if you will submit to his authority in your life. Now, the kingdom of God was central to the teaching and the mission of Jesus. In fact, if you study the Gospels, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is referred to dozens of times. In fact, I believe in the Gospels alone, you have the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven referred to 126 times. 126 times that Jesus talks about the kingdom. Now, what's interesting is, though, is that he doesn't give us a bullet point summary list to just kind of succinctly define what the kingdom's all about. In fact, um, you kind of have to read carefully because he'll use stories and metaphors and similes to talk about the kingdom. One of the things that Jesus chose to do in the Gospels is to talk about the kingdom of heaven through parables. And he would often say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would, he would give a parable. So on one occasion, the kingdom of heaven is like a great wedding feast where all are invited, but the door is closed and then some are left out. Hmm. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a net cast wide and it gathers great number of fish, but the fish have to be sorted between the good and the bad. On another occasion, the kingdom of heaven is uh, like a mustard seed that then grows to become a great tree. Another occasion, the kingdom of heaven is uh, a landowner who hires laborers. And he hires them all throughout the day, but at the end of the day, he ends up paying them all the same. That's like the kingdom of God. Funny economy there in that kingdom, isn't it? There are all different kinds of parables. My, my favorite, in fact, it wasn't long ago, I was journeying through uh, my, my quiet time, and I wrote out beside this one, I think this is in my little margin there, I wrote out, this is my favorite parable. I think of all the parables, actually my favorite parable is only one verse. One verse. The kingdom of heaven is like a buried treasure in a field. Once you discover the treasure, you would be wise to go and sell everything you have and buy that field. Because when you get the kingdom, you will discover the king. So there's a lot of different ways that the kingdom of heaven is laid out for us and described for us throughout the New Testament. But not just in similes and stories and metaphors and not just in parables, but then he like, just like, I'll call them like little truth bombs here and there. Like he'll just drop a comment and all of a sudden he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, if you're in Matthew 6, you could go to Mark uh, 10. 
Um, you can look at verse 25 where he says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into the kingdom. Or in verse 15 of that same chapter, he's like, hey, by the way, if you want to get into the kingdom, you've got to be like a little child to get in. Um, Matthew 6, where we're, we were at the Lord's Prayer there in verses 9 through 13, verse 33 is one of the most famous verses of the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, seek first the kingdom of heaven. So seek that first, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Or perhaps the strongest language around the kingdom of heaven is Mark chapter 9 and verse number 47. This is crazy. Hey, if your eye keeps you out of the kingdom, pluck it out. And if your hand keeps you out of the kingdom, cut it off. See how often he's talking about the kingdom? See how often he's talking about these, these truth nuggets, these parables, these stories, these, these metaphors. And so what are we to make of this collage of teaching? What does the phrase the kingdom of heaven mean? Because after all, on one occasion in Matthew chapter 3, we are told to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or it's already here. Wait a minute. So Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is here or in Matthew chapter 12, he said, if I drive out demons, the kingdom has come. So either he's saying the kingdom of heaven is here, the kingdom of heaven has come, but then we're praying, we're told to pray that the kingdom of heaven does come. And so which is it? Because 126 times in the Gospels, the kingdom is talked about, but what exactly is Christ saying? And what exactly do we understand about the kingdom? In summary, I would say it like this. The kingdom was inaugurated when Christ came to earth. When Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, it was ratified with the res it was defeat uh, extended. So it's inaugurated with the coming of Christ. It's extended when Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, and it was ratified with the resurrection. And so Jesus is the first fruits of the great coming resurrection. The kingdom of God is here. Get this, friend. The kingdom of God is here, but not yet in its fullness. So it has come in the person of Christ, but he's coming again one day. In fact, I, I, I've said on many occasions that when Jesus left up there to come down here, he didn't leave up there to come down here to take down here back up there. He left up there to bring up there down here. So we don't have to wait to experience the kingdom of heaven one day we can experience it and should be experiencing it here and we experience the kingdom of heaven here not by looking for an authorized land but by submitting to the authorized authority where we're submitting to his kingship we're submitting to his lordship we have taken our wants and we have white flagged them to his will we still have our wants but most importantly we want his will to be done we want his kingdom to come john ortberg who i really enjoy in fact one of um one of my favorite books is written by ortberg the me i want to be if you ever have a chance to read that i'd highly recommend it but this is what ortberg says about the kingdom he says many people think that our job 
is to get my afterlife destination taken care of. Then tread water till we all get ejected and God comes back and torches this place. I love the way he writes. Just think about that. Many people think that our job is to get my afterlife destination taken care of, then tread water till we all get ejected and come, God comes back and torches this place. But Jesus never told anybody, neither his disciples nor us, to pray, get me out of here so I can go up there. His prayer was, make up there, come down here. Make things down here run the way they do up there. The request that thy will be done is God's invitation to join him in making things down here the way they are up there. So when we're, I think that's just so clarifying. So when we're praying, we're like, God, the authority that you have up there, we want that in our sphere down here. Like the way that your will is accomplished to absolute perfection and completion To the nth degree, nothing missing. We want the will of God done up there, down here like that. And we're going to submit to your authority and your rule and your lordship and your leadership. We're going to white flag our wants to your will. We're going to bring our wants. We're going to bring our requests. You said to do that. But at the end of the day, God, you know what's best. Either God is sovereign or he is not. And we're either going to submit to his authority or we're going to try and do our own thing conversely. And so, might we pray that up there comes down here. When we, when we walk the streets of Palm Coast, might we pray, may up there come down here. When we walk the streets of Flagler Beach, might we pray, might up there come down here. When we walk the streets of Benel, might we pray, God, bring up there down here. When we go to our jobs, might it be, God, bring up there down here. When we go to our homes, God, bring up there down here. When we attend church, God, bring up there down here. At our small group, God, bring up there down here. At, at Trunk or Treat, God, bring up there down here. God, at Living Nativity, bring up there down here. When I'm serving the, the toddlers of our church in nursery, bring up there down here. When I'm with a with a, with a student in a small group, bring up there down here, God. We gather with our young adults to worship on Thursday nights. Would you bring up there down here, God? God, I, you see, I've got this money, God, and, and I, the way I use my money, would you bring up there down here? God, I've got a little extra time. I'd like to invest it for your kingdom. Would you bring up there down here on my time? God, you've given me these spiritual gifts. I've got wisdom or faith or teaching or giving or hospitality or mercy or leadership or wisdom. On those spiritual gifts, God, would you bring up there down here? Because after all, what we're looking for in our life, what we're looking for in our leadership, what we're looking for in our service, what we're looking for in our ministry is that you would just bring up there, down here, and we would submit to your authority. In fact, when we walk into church, we're just praying, God, bring a little bit up there, down here. We're not praying that God would bring out there in here. And we're not praying that God would bring down there up here. In fact, if you come to church and somebody around you is acting like they brought out there in here or down there up here, you tell them, get over here. Because we're not, we don't want that. 
We don't want that. We want up there, down here, and we want to submit to that rule. We want to submit to that authority. We want that lordship. We want that leadership. We're waving the white flag on our wants, and we want your rule. We want your authority. We want your leadership. We want the kingdom of God to come. See, we're so used to kingdoms already, this shouldn't be a foreign concept. We all have our own kingdoms and we like things done the right way in our kingdom. How many of you ladies have a hers car? In other words, he doesn't drive it normally, it's yours, you've got a hers car, many of you ladies? Now let me ask you something, what happens when your husband borrows the car? You get in it, and you're frustrated. Because the mirrors have been moved, the seats have been moved, the radio station's been moved, and it always comes back on empty Like, don't mess with my kingdom. <laughs> this week I took Addie, our granddaughter, who's almost two and a half, out to dinner by myself. And um, so we go to a Mexican restaurant, and um, I'm right away sizing up how this is going to go. So I walk in, the lady says, uh, Two of you? I said, Yes, ma'am, two of us. I said, I'd like a booth. I'd like over there on that side of the restaurant because everybody else is on the other side of the restaurant. <laughs> I want that booth. Now, she's walking us to the booth on that side. I know you do not get a table with a two-and-a-half-year-old. You get a booth. <laughs> so we're walking up to the booth, and um, normally uh, I like to sit facing the door, but this is not going to be possible in this booth because if I sit on that side of the table, on that portion of the booth, it's open at the end, whereas the other booth is up against the wall. I said, I'll take that side. That means she gets in first. So the lady said, okay, well, I'll be back in a minute to get your drinks. I said, no, ma'am, not necessary. I said, I'll take a water with lemon. And I said, my granddaughter will take a water as well with a lid on it and a straw. You can bring us chips and salsa when you get a minute. I'll take three uh, chicken enchiladas in flour tortillas with nothing on top but cheese sauce, no beans, double rice, and she'll take the chicken enchilada, kids' menu size. Lady's like, oh, you already know what you want. Oh, yeah, no, I, I got this all set up. I got this all figured out. In fact, if you'll just bring it as quickly as you can, we're ready to eat because we're going to do this, and then we're going to get out of here. And so, like, I've got everything. And so, so, so she's sitting there. She's blocked in. I know she likes chips and salsa. We got that right away. She's making a mess. I don't care just as long as she's quiet. <laughs> so then, they, short order, they bring the food real quick. The food gets to the table, and uh, the food gets there, and um, she sees my rice. I'm like, oh, no. After about three hands into my plate, I'm like, oh, no, we don't, girlfriend. Uh-uh. No, I'd take a little bit of rice, and we're going to put it on your plate. You don't reach into my plate. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't fly in my kingdom. So we're going to put that over there on yours. And so then she's eating rice, and she's eating chips, and I cut the chicken quesadilla up for her to eat, and 10 minutes in, she's got no part of it. Now, I know my wife's going to ask me how dinner went. I know my wife's going to ask me what she had for dinner. So I said, Addie, this is really bad parenting, but if you eat a bite of that chicken quesadilla, I'll turn on Curious George on my phone and you can watch it. 
she's eating chips and rice two minutes later she's not touching that chicken case i get the phone out i turn the phone on i say curious george one bite and i give it to her she knew she put the bite in her mouth i said okay one more one more bite give it to me give, give me one more bite but the whole thing is like i like i i've got it's it, this is my kingdom this is my turf this is my territory everything needs to be set up like i know it should operate and this is the way to an effective meal out and so all you're saying is lord you're in charge i want you to set up your authority wherever we go whatever restaurant whatever church whatever school whatever friendship whatever hobby whatever occupation wherever i go lord you're in charge it's not about the authoritative land it's about the authoritative rule the the land is wherever i am and wherever you are with me that's the kingdom i just want up there down here and i want to submit to that and and by the way we are praying as we pray for the kingdom of God, get this, we're also praying against something. We're praying against the kingdom of Satan. So I'm not only praying for the kingdom of God, I'm praying against the kingdom of Satan. I'm praying, as I pray for the kingdom of God, I'm praying that we take turf from the kingdom of Satan. I'm praying that we expand the kingdom of God into the territory of Satan. We are not only praying for the submission of our own lives, but we are also praying for the salvation of others. So when we are praying for the rule of God and the will of God and the authority of God, we're not just praying for our submission, but we're praying for the salvation of others. Pray that his rule would be established in the hearts of those who do not know him. I Listen, when I go into the new building in a couple weeks and we do that floor signing, I don't want just my name on there. I want the name of lost people on that floor. I want you to write your friends, your neighbors, your family members. You write their names down because we're praying not just for the kingdom of God, we're praying against the kingdom of Satan. And we want not just our submission, but we want their salvation. I pray that many will come. We're not building a church for, for, for an edifice to ourselves. We are praying it for the kingdom of God to be established in this community. We are praying against the enemy. We're trying to take square footage away from the kingdom of Satan. And we're trying to add square footage to the kingdom of heaven. In fact, if people in this community, I've said it time and time again, if people want to die in this community and go to hell and spend eternity apart from Christ, then I want them to have to step over top of us in order to be able to get there. So that we would be praying for the kingdom of God and praying against the kingdom of Satan. We tend to pray about our problems and our pains, but might we more so even pray for the peace of the lost, that they would make peace with God. Because after all, our church is not just trying to create some sort of holy huddle. God, help us because we want to see people snatched from darkness and brought into light. We are praying for people to visit our church, but more so, we are praying for the souls of non-believers to be transformed by the grace of God. The disciples were to be praying, not just for the will of God to be done in their life, but they were praying for the salvation of others, that men and women and boys and girls would come to faith in Christ. 
So as a Parkview preschool teacher, you're praying for the success of the gospel in the hearts of the children that you care for. As an as a overflow small group leader, an excite leader, a, a, a kid's teacher, a kid's assistant teacher, whatever the situation may be, we're praying for the success of the gospel in the hearts of those who are under our care. Dads, we're praying for the success of the gospel in our family. Moms, you're praying for the success of the gospel in the hearts of your children. We're praying for our lost friends and our neighbors that the will of God would be done in their life and that they would surrender to His rule and to His authority and that they would understand that this is about His kingdom his rule to be established we we want to follow the commands of scripture and I, I said last week we we start our prayer with hallowing god and worshiping him but then we're praying that the kingdom of god will come and the will of god will be done on earth like it is in heaven and last week i gave you this thing that i learned in david jeremiah's book the prayer of the great adventure 20 some years ago i thought it was just fan i've used it ever since use it this week again I pray for the will of God in those closest to my heart. Family, friends. I pray for the will of God for leaders and elders and mentors in my life. I pray for the will of God politically, whether that be locally, regionally, nationally, uh, globally. I, 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 the, 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 the ring finger is the weakest finger. I, I pray for the will of God in, in those who are sick. I had a guy in tears telling me, today how god's answered the prayer of his wife's major surgery and 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 how she's doing well and 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 i, and I i've been praying right there for the will of god to be to be done in her life and and i and i've, I've got another major request i'm i'm praying for right now uh, for somebody in our church and their health so we're praying for the will of god those closest to us those uh, mentors or leaders those in political authority those that are the weakest and then the pinky the farthest one away uh, is missions around the world our mission partners those spreading the gospel around the world we're praying for the will of god to be done in their life we want the rule of god happening in their world and in their sphere and we just want god's rule to rule in all of our lives where we white flag our wants to his will and say god you just didn't save us to take us up there but we believe you want to bring up there down here and we're praying and we know that the kingdom has come but it's not yet in its fullness but until then might your rule be more established this i'm in this season of life that i really enjoy my granddaughter so i apologize for one more illustration but if it just fit what happened this week so she's starting to put words together now like three or four words together and so this week she said to me oh hide and seek oh hide and seek okay well first of all let me clarify so she calls me oh that's what she calls me and oh is short for ogo and Ogo stands for Old Great One. And that's... <laughs> True story. I have wanted to be called Ogo for I do not know how long, and I will take O. So she just calls me O. 
So she says to me, oh, and she can put sentences together. So now, like this week, she said, oh, petzel more, which means give me some more pretzels right now, old man. So she just says, oh, petzel more. Oh, no, chicken nugget more. That was four words. So anyway, so she says to me this week, she says, oh, and she puts her hands over. I see go, oh, hide and seek. Oh, hide and seek. I said, okay, let's play hide and seek. So she starts to count. And uh, she can count really good. And so she starts, just in case you're wondering. And so she starts to count. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm laying on the floor. I'm 53 years old. I'm thinking, no, no, no. This isn't how this is supposed to work. I need to count. You go hide. Because I, 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 I can't get up off the floor right now. So I'm laying on the floor. And uh, I said, all right, Addie, you go hide. Oh, a count. So I just start counting. I close my eyes. I start counting. One, two, three. And, and we're in the living room. And right in front of me is the ottoman. And I peek just because I can. And she goes around the ottoman and lays on the floor. And I'm counting, and she's over there, and she's going, one, two, three, four. I said, Addie, no, no. Oh, counts, you go hide. She said, okay. So I said, let's do it again. So I said, I count, you go hide. So I close my eyes. One, and then there's an echo. One, and I say two, there's an echo two. I say, Addie, no, no, you go hide, you don't count. So she finally figures out she's not supposed to count. So I close my eyes again, I count to ten, and I open up my eyes, and she's standing in front of me. I say, Addie, you're supposed to go hide. If, <laughs> I mean, I wonder how many times the Lord just laughs at us. Like, do you guys not know the rules? <laughs> like, I've made this clear. Why? Why can't you guys just play by the rules? Like, there are certain rules. This would be a whole lot more fun if you'll go hide. If you'll leave the room, go in the other room, make me you know, get up off the floor, walk around. I'll make a big deal out of it. I can't find Addie. You know, we can play this for 15 minutes. In fact, I could probably eat while you're still hiding. I mean, whatever. I mean, but it just like it would just play by the rules. I think the Lord said, hey, Peters would just stop counting with me. Go do what I told you to do. Like, when I open up my eyes, I don't want you standing right there in front of me. Like, go do what I told you to do. And, and some of you, bless your heart, you want Jesus Christ to be the ruler of your life, but you're not willing to follow his rules. To be quite honest with you, there aren't a lot of them. And by the way, every time we want our kids to follow the rules, it's for their good. And within the rules, there is freedom found like those kids can never imagine. And Christ is saying, look, when you pray, start by praising me, but I want you to acknowledge my rule. And I want you to acknowledge my authority. And I want you to acknowledge that everything up here is done to the nth degree with sheer perfection. Pray for some of the completion of that down there. In your submission and their salvation, we want the rule of God. And we cannot claim to be under His authority and simultaneously go and do whatever we want. He's given us some clear boundaries, some clear parameters, and some clear rules. 
for the same reason you give them to your kids, because you love them and you care about them. And if they'll just come underneath of your authority, the protection that you provide there is amazing. And the same is true with God. We want to be under the umbrella of His authority because under the umbrella of His authority is where we find safety. So we're not praying for some land territory. We're praying for His rule in our life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, I don't know how often I do it. I just know it's too much. And I'm not even certain that I do it as much consciously as I do subconsciously. I just end up living my life in a way that where I'm acting like I'm in charge. Where I'm acting like I'm the king. Where I'm trying to set up my kingdom in every area the way I want it. And a lot of times, pitifully, my prayers have probably felt like a wrestling match with you where I'm trying to get you to do what you're seemingly disinclined to do. So no more. That's my prayer in my heart, no more. I have my wants, but I'm going to wave my white flag on my wants to your will. I'll just surrender them there. I'm going to make them known, but what you do with it is up to you. You're, you're in charge. You are the king. In fact, the real reason we seek the kingdom is when we find the kingdom, we'll find the king. So help us every day to seek the kingdom of heaven. Help us to, to surrender to your rule and your authority. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, what want might you need to surrender to his will tonight? What's that thing that you have been begging him for? Would you submit it to his timing? Would you submit it to his plan, his will, his way? Just lay it down. I know, like me, you'll be tempted to go back and pick it back up again. But will you just lay it there at his feet? Place it under the rule of the king. And with it laid at his feet, in your heart, would you just pray over that? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth like it is in heaven. How sweet it's been to be in your presence. Dear sweet Jesus, thank you for teaching us to pray and continue to do so in these weeks ahead. In your name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Amen.